You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. Philippians chapter 3, if you have it, say amen. Let me also, let's get in the Word of God this morning. If you're ready to get in the Word of God, say amen. amen. Stand to your feet one more time, hallelujah, and let the blood flow as we get into the Word of God this morning. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you haven't found it, look quick. If you're using the cheat sheet in the back, say glory. glory. Now, how can you have your Bible and then, I, and then I'm looking at you and you say glory at the same time as you're looking? You, you are talented. Read your Bible and read it all at the same time. My goodness gracious. Verse 12. Now that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Let me state that again, brothers. Realize that. You have been called for more than sitting in your pew. That means it's a good time to say amen. 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 Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Why? That I may hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. You have been called with a purpose. You have been saved for a purpose. You have been empowered with the Holy Spirit for a purpose. God wants to work in you for a purpose. You have not reached salvation and that's it. There is something more. Look at your neighbor and say there's more. Lord have mercy. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Lord have mercy. Look at your look at your other neighbor and just goose them one good time and just say if they're if they're about to fall asleep, goose them one good time and say, There's more for you. There's more than just salvation for you. There's more than just sitting on a pew. There's more than just coming to church. There's more than just being a spectator. There's more in it, brother and sister. There's more. God Himself has called you because, my friend, He has something for you in this building. Woo, Lord have mercy. I done got so excited, I done busting my ear open. Lord have mercy. How in the world did that happen? Sweet Jesus. Lord have mercy. Look at verse 13. Amazing stuff happens when you're preaching. Lord have mercy. Listen to this, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it. It's okay if you haven't got it all together. Let me say that again. It's okay if you haven't got it all together. But the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm moving forward. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I thank You, mighty God, for Your presence that I've already felt. I thank You, mighty God, for what You have been doing in this body of believers. But dear God, Lord, we also recognize that God, as You begin to start blessing, the enemy starts messing. And so, mighty God, in the name of Jesus, for those, dear God, Lord, that have already been encountering opposition, even this morning to get to church, through all different kinds of things, even as you have been blessing them during these three weeks, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll send the empowering power of the Holy Ghost to encourage them this morning, that they, dear God, be lifted up wherever they are. And in the name of Jesus, lift us. I pray and encourage us this morning that we see the full potential of what God has called us to be achieved in our lives. And we thank you for it and we praise you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Before you see to turn around and give somebody a high five and go, Woo-wee! Uh. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good, amen. This morning for the next few moments, I want to be able to preach momentum. Moving forward, moving forward in the making. Movement is achieved when force is applied to an object that is greater than its mass. The greater that is the force applied to that object, the faster that that object will move. Notice in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 through 14, there are three mentions of forward pacing, of forward force in your life. And this forward pacing, this forward force in your life gives movement to a place where God is calling you to be. He says this in verse 12, we are to press on to attain the divine purpose in our life. In verse 13, he says this, to reach forward to what is ahead and leaving the past behind. In verse 14, he says this, press toward the prize of the high calling of God. Brother and sister, understand something. Paul the Apostle, as he writes the Philippian church, He's trying to motivate them to apply force in their lives so that they could be all that God has called them to be and that the glory of God can be expressed through their lives. Realize this, if you are not in motion pushing forward, then you are probably being pushed back. If you are not pushing forward and moving forward, then there is force that will apply to your life that will push you backwards. Understand something. There is no just middle ground where I'm just, you know, just where I'm just, everything is perfect. There's no force applied. There's none. No, 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 no. If you feel that in your life, then you have been lulled to sleep by a nice motion that's doing nothing but just pushing you backwards. Brother and sister, if you want to go after and you want to see the best that God has for you, understand this, there will have to be force that will have to be applied to allow me to move forward to see what God can be able to do. This is the reason why that we've been in our 20 days of seeking, 21 days of seeking after God. Why? Because, brother and sister, as we talked about three weeks ago, there is movement forward in the midst of waiting. I'm waiting for God to do something. I'm waiting for an answer. Well, then guess what? If you really want an answer, press in, seek after God, knock after God, fast seek God, and He will give you an answer. But it takes movement. It takes force. Let's just understand something this morning. God is in the business that He is not wanting to cover things. He's not wanting to camouflage things in your life. To be able to see what God has ahead, sometimes you've got to move forward. There are things that my eye cannot be able to gravitate and latch onto until I get closer. The closer I get to it, the more I can be able to see it. The closer that it begins to come, the closer it begins to be able to be made manifest where I can see details. Brother and sister, the reason why some of us lack details in where God is wanting to take us is because we have not been pressing forward to get closer to where God is calling us. And because we have not pressed forward, we the details lack in our lives because we are pushed further and further back. Mm, Jesus. Now, brother and sister, understand something. This, this, over the past few months, we've seen God do some great things. We've seen God be able to begin to do some uh, uh, just amazing things in our services. We're seeing God add, and we're seeing God do some great things. But, brother and sister, can I just share something with you? Even though we may be seeing movement forward and momentum forward, understand this. God wants to continue that in our lives and begin to even build more and more momentum forward. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ has greater things for us, and He wants us to grow and move grow in force and grow in the name of Jesus momentum is defined as the force or speed of movement you ever talking about that you'll hear this about football players whenever the running back gets the ball 
You'll hear guys that say they run downhill. Why? Because they get five or six yards to be able to get the ball, get up to full speed, drop the shoulder, and become like a battering ram. Because they recognize they are going to be able to encounter hardship, so they get a downward motion going, and they cover up that ball, and they hit the line of scrimmage, and it causes the pile to be able to do one of these numbers. Whoop. They get pushed back. Why? Because brother and sister, he is building up momentum to move him forward. Realize this, brother and sister, that's what God is wanting in our lives. There will be moments that we encounter opposition. There will be moments that when we hit the line and there's a banging and there's a popping and there's stuff going on and you're just trying to be able to get through. But brother and sister, understand something. There will be those moments in your life when you get the ball and God says, here's something in your life. Run with it. All of a sudden it just opens up and you're like going, whoa! You're posing as you're going down the sideline. You know what I'm talking about. People get in church like going, whoa! What they're doing, they're really just posing. They're like going, yeah, I know God's on my side. Why? They've come into a position where they've hit some momentum. And they're like going, wow. That's why it's okay to worship God. That's why it's okay to be able to celebrate. That's why it's okay to lift a hand and jump up and down and spin around and run around every once in a while. Why? Because it's those moments, those moments when you get a hold of that presence of God and you feel the push of the Spirit of God that you're like going, whoa, I feel something deep in and it's causing me to move another way. Oh, So I'm going to go further than what I ever thought I could. Why? Because all of a sudden God is working and He's propelling me forward. That is what God wants to be able to do in our lives, in in our friends' lives, at work, at home, in this church. He wants to move us forward to be everything that God has called us to be. So the last two weeks we've been talking about moving forward through the waiting, moving forward through opposition. And there are times, brother, it's right to say that there will come times of opposition. There will come times whenever things go wrong. But understand this, brother and sister, it is still, if God be for us, who can be against us? In Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, brother and sister, understand this, my friend, that we are made more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. In Romans 8 and verse 37, and 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We can move forward and to see what God wants us to do. And so this, this week... I want to spend just a few moments on this. He wants us to move forward in the making. Why don't you take your Bibles and look at Matthew chapter 4. Any amount of time, or you've been around me, you will recognize very quickly, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I love this passage of Scripture because I can find the Gospel tied up in this passage of Scripture. It is an explanation very quickly exactly what Jesus does and what He wants to do in our lives. He wants to do some things in our lives. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. When you found it, say amen. That means I say amen. Let's try that one more time. Lord, have mercy. Oh, one more time. If it comes out like this, then go. Oh, we got to get louder than that. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. There are levels of amen. There's... There's an amen, there's an amen, there's an amen, and there's a amen! Pentecost 101. Anyway, hallelujah. Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let me say that again. Follow me and I will, what is that word? Make you you fishers of men. Catch what he says in verse 20. They immediately left their nets and they what? Followed him. If you thought that was just a one-time thing, look at what it says in verse 21. 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left their boat, and they and their father, and what did they do? Followed him. Catch this, because I want this morning to speak to you as individuals, and I want this to get into your spirit and also as a church. Understand this, Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee area recruiting disciples. Because he understood he had three and a half years to raise up leaders for the, for the church, the next generation of leaders. He recognized he was on a timetable. He knew that he had to be able to get disciples and leaders in place, train them, have them competent, so that they can be able to carry on the work of Almighty God here in the form of the church. So what does he do? He goes to the greatest schools in all of the Jewish realm to be able to pick the best students he could be able to find. No. He goes to the nearest synagogue and says, Rabbi, tell me, who is your best student? No. He gets up on Google version. Well, the... 2,000 years ago, Google. I don't know what that'd be. Wrap a note around a bird and throw it up in the air and say, go find somebody. I don't know. Went up to a mountain and wrote a bunch of paper and threw it up in the air and let the wind carry it wherever it is. If you are interested in fulfilling this job, I don't know. Maybe he wrote to the Jerusalem Times. says, I am looking for disciples. Maybe he didn't get any kind of response. The only thing we know is this. He's at the Sea of Galilee recruiting disciples. And he finds people that you would not necessarily classify as the prime leadership material. Why? Because he finds two sets of brothers. Four people. All four of them fishermen. And these are going to be the next leaders of the church. He recruits tax collectors. He recruits physicians. He recruits even harlots. He recruits all kinds of folks. And whenever he recruits them, he's bringing them into a position where that they can be able to be leaders in some form or some way. Now, brother and sister, what would you do if you're looking for the next leadership of the church and you apply for people? uh, Brothers, please send in your resumes. And you're sitting there on the board going, fisherman, fisherman, tax collector. Dear God, no. Uh, If you were accepting resume, you're like going, no, 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 no. Not a single person here from Bible school. Not a single one here that has an MDiv from, from uh, from a seminary. Not one here that has any of that stuff. Not one, not one, not one. But brother and sister, let me just share something with you. Jesus was not so much concerned with their own ability. What he was doing this, he was banking on not their history or not what they have done, not what they were presently doing, not their ability at this moment. He was looking at the raw material of their life and he says this, if you will just follow me, I will make you. Mm. Brother and sister, let me share some with you. God is the God of the making. He is the God that is able to look at you and be able to say, yes, you're a piece of junk right now, but if I shine you up and I get you in a place where I can buff out all that junk that you've been living in, somebody is going to be able to use you in a powerful way. See, it's not about your resume at this moment. It's not about what you have done at this moment. It's what God can be able to see inside of you and be able to say, you are useful for the kingdom of God. 
Let me tell you something. Don't try to be in a position where you try to be able to constantly make excuses on why God cannot use you. Because, brother and sister, realize this. This morning, do not, because I know so many people that do this, they will come and, and they will have opportunities to be, and they will immediately begin to make excuses on why they can't do something. I do but pastor, but Lord, I know people that are scared to death to come to messages like this because immediately what they're thinking is, oh no, he's going to ask me to do something. <laughs> I have a cough. Don't infect the rest of the church. You'll wrap the baby up real tight in its, in, right there in its, in its blankets and you'll come to pick up the child and you're like going, oh, you're warm. Oh, he may have a fever. I'm sorry, Pastor, I can't come because my baby, she's, she's feeling very warm this morning. Don't want to make anybody sick. Or, Pastor, I'm sorry, I just don't feel comfortable in those areas of ministry. We can be able to give so many different excuses. But brothers and sisters, let me share something with you. Think about this. Jesus himself says this. Peter, James, John, Andrew, you don't have to have the resume now to be what God has called you to be. The only thing that you have to do is follow me. And if you will follow me, I will make you into what you need to be. So brother and sister, understand this. The moment that we start making excuses on why we can't do and why we can't be and why we can't be useful for the kingdom of God, really what you're saying is this. God, you're not big enough to make in me what you need me to be. Because understand something. This is honest to God. It drives me insane that the body of Christ is not being able to do what it needs to do for the kingdom of God because so many people doubt what God can make in them. They look at where they are at and they look at where their situation is and what their abilities are and what they think their limitations are. And the Lord just says this, I have given you gifts, Peter. I've given you gifts, Andrew. I've given you gifts, John. I've given you gifts, James. And in the middle of me giving you those gifts, I'm going to take those gifts and I'm going to make you into fishers of men from being fishermen this morning. Why can't you be used of God? Why can't you, brother and sister? He said, right there, you just don't know where I'm at right now. No, I do not. But God does. And He says this, I can make you if you will give Him a chance this morning. Don't doubt what God can do in you. Don't rob yourself of the blessing of being used of what God can be able to do in your life. Don't rob yourself. But let me also say this. Do not rob the church of your giftings because, brother and sister, and when I'm talking about, I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Don't rob the body of Christ of your abilities and what you can be able to do as you become empowered by the very power and the presence of Almighty God. Who cares about your unchurched histories? Who cares about your church history? Who cares about what has happened in your life? I'm saying this, follow Jesus Christ and allow Him to make in you what He's called you to be. Amen. Understand something, brother and sister? You can't find it in a pastor. Let me just be just honest with you and throw it right out there. If you follow me around, yes, brother and sister, I'm here to tell you something. I pray to God that it does influence you to be able to be right. But understand something. It is not the thing that will change you. You have not been called to be a Tim Rose disciple. You have not been called to be like me. You have not been called to be just somebody that just follows after me and does what I do. And, and just No, 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 no. Brother and sister, who you have been called to follow is Jesus Christ. I have been put under as your under-shepherd. But understand, He is the great shepherd. And as I follow Him, you follow us. And let's see what God can be able to do in your life. He wants to do something in our lives. 
And you cannot begin to grasp what God wants to do in you. Because, brother and sister, who knows? Can you be able, can imagine Peter putting down the resume saying, I want to be the leader of the next church. Well, what, what, kind, of, what kind of leadership do you I lead fish into my boat. Look at him like he lost his mind. Understand something? That is before the Lord began to work. Understand something? There is forward movement whenever you're going through the making process. Understand something? It is a process. Because understand, when Jesus called Peter, James, John, and Andrew, he had three and a half years to begin to whip them into a place where they were ready to take the mantle of leadership. Did they, did they function perfectly as leaders? Not necessarily, no. They had problems, they had issues. But the crazy thing about it is, when one person had an issue that was kind of like, uh, God always had other people to be that was being used in their giftings to go, no, 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 no. We need to do this. See, that's why God calls more than just one of us to excel in giftings. Why? Because it's not a one-man show. It's not a one-man performance up here. It's not just a, a band performance. It's not just me. No, no, no. It's not just a one-man show. It is all of us finding the giftings that God has called us to be, then putting it all together, and all of us being used in a way that fills in the gaps for people and their shortcomings by using my strength. Jesus, Jesus. There is a process of Jesus making us. And brother and sister, it is that, a process. You know what a process is? Process is defined as a systematic series of actions directed to some end. Systematic. It's not just come and go. There's a reason. There's a reason why that I'm having to learn this. There's a reason why that I'm having to go through this. There's a reason why, because in this systematic series of actions, it is progressing me to the end that God is calling me to. In this case, Peter was supposed to be the leader of the church. But guess what? In all of this, he had a long way to go. And he had to go through things, experience things, live in things. Sometimes he failed, sometimes he passed. Sometimes he did great, sometimes he did stupid stuff. But understand something, it was all in the midst of the series of moving forward. Why? Because if you fail, guess what? He says, repent. If you do something awesome, celebrate, but not too much. He comes into a position where He's constantly moving you along so that you can be what God has called you to be. Now realize this, brother and sister. The Lord is constantly working in us so that we can become the best version of ourselves. Some actions in the process can be easier than others. And from time to time, you'll be able to sit back and you'll be like, go, whoa, look what God did. There will be moments in your series of progressive movements toward the Lord that you're like going in this process. You're, you'll get one of those moments that's like, whoo, man, look what God has done. You get one of those moments you're like going, man, I can't believe what He has done in my life. I understand something, brother and sister. It's in those moments, man, that we get a chance to be able to say, man, see what is happening in my life. Take those moments to celebrate. But let me just share with you just about this process. And I started talking about them last week. Now I want to pick up where we were talking about, about the Apostle Saul or the Apostle Paul. I want you to take a look at something this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to look at Acts chapter 9 for just a moment. Acts chapter 9. And while you're looking there, I want to share a few things with you. Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, was the exact opposite of Peter. Peter had no 
significant religious training. He had the basics because every child had to have the basics. But Saul was completely different. Why? Because we recognize this, that Saul was somebody that had been in all of the top schools. He was somebody that had all of the learning. He knew the law inside and out. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was somebody that sat at the very feet of Gamaliel and he was there at a position where he was learning all of the law had to be able to do. And instead of following Jesus, guess what Paul or Saul did? He did the exact opposite. He saw the law and he said, the people that are following Jesus are not obeying the law. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to go after them and I'm going to kill them. I'm going to destroy the church. He began to persecute the church. He began to come into a, and to take active means to destroy the church. But understand this. Isn't it ironic that the Lord raises up somebody that has no leadership or, or, or training, no religious training to lead the church, and at the same time raises up somebody with all of the religious training and looks at them and says, you've had all the religious training, Saul, yet you've also chased down my church to kill them and to persecute you, pers persecute them. But guess what? I'm still going to call you, and I'm going to anoint you, and I'm going to make you into an apostle, and you are going to be the person that writes a majority of the books of the New Testament and that we actually form and govern the church through. Catch that, isn't that ironic? Now look at what he says in verse chapter 9. Because understand what is happening here. In chapter 8, Saul was one of the leaders that Saul Stephen killed. And now because that had happened, the church has been scattered all over the place. And Saul is saying, I want to go to Damascus because there's believers up there. I will go after them. I will kill them or bring them back for trial. One way or another, we're killing this thing. And look at what happens in verse 15. Because in verse 15, we begin to see something. Because what we begin, and let me just set it up for just a few moments more, because what we begin to see is Paul or Saul is on his way to Damascus. And as he's there, the Bible says that there was a light that shined that was brighter than the noonday sun. The Lord Jesus Himself in His resurrected body showed up there and says, Whoa! And Saul went, Ah! And Saul went, On the ground. His eyes were burned. He laid on the ground. And the Lord began to talk to him and began to say, Why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like going, Whoa! Who are you? He's in a position where that he's having an introduction to Jesus. That is the resurrected Christ who he has been persecuting and declaring that he is not resurrected. Now he shows up and Saul is like taking off his shoe and eating it. Because he's eating crow. Because now he's in a position where he's like going, I know. So for three days and three nights... He doesn't eat anything. He's, whole, he's held up in Damascus. And during this time, the Lord is talking to him. And the Lord is speaking into his life. Look at what it says in verse 15. But the Lord said to him, This is Ananias. This is a guy that the Lord has told Ananias, Go see Saul. And he's freaking out over it. And the Lord tells Ananias this, I want you to go visit Saul. Why? For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
Understand something, brother and sister. He said this, I'm going to use you, Saul, but in the midst of the process of me using you, there will be moments of opposition. And let me just remind you of what we spoke about last week. Brother and sister, understand something. There will be moments when God wants to use you in a mighty way, but opposition will come against you. But that does not mean that God will not use you and that you will not come out on the other end victorious and being used of God and being validated in everything that you've said. Don't you dare take opposition as a bad thing. Opposition can be the best thing that you've ever come up with. Why? Because what it does is it allows you to be able to find out who He is. Mm. Look at this, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and he was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now catch this, verse 20. And immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Verse 21. Then all who heard were amazed and and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem? And has come here that for that purpose, so that he may bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Don't tell me that God can't use you. He can use the educated or the uneducated. Understand something. The Lord knocked Saul off the horse, blinded him, told him to go to a place, and for three days he sat in blindness talking to the Lord. Why? Preparing him for what? Ananias to walk in. You want to talk about process? Paul, Saul is going through a process. The Lord knocked him down. Now the Lord is bringing in Ananias. Ananias comes in, lays his hands on him. He's anointed. He's he's, uh, baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's healed. All of a sudden, he rises up in strength. He eats. And then immediately, he begins to what? Preach. Now, could he preach without the three days to be able to prepare himself? Why? Because if he'd have been preaching, he'd have been less of what? Why? Blinded. Not in power of the Holy Ghost yet. He may have been able to do it, but he may not have been able to do it as well. But when the process worked, guess what happened? He had a revelation of the Lord, and the Lord began to work in his life. So now he can be able to say, the Lord has showed up. He not only appeared to me, but now he has healed me. Now he's not only healed me, but he's baptized me in the Holy Ghost, and he has revealed himself, and he has called me. Understand something, brother and sister. Those moments when the Lord begins to work in your life, there will be moments in the process that you may not understand. Why didn't the Lord just show up in his dream and go, Saul, come to me. Let me wrap my arms around you and hold me close so that I can be able to impart to you all that you want. No. Lord shows up and goes, Wah! And Paul goes, Ah! And for three days he's out. Why does God do what He does? Why? So He can move you along the process. So that you can be what God has called you to be. I can't say this. Look at this. Look at this. Let's continue on. Let me me drop down just a little bit. Look here. He says this in verse 15. He is a chosen vessel of mine. Is He a perfect vessel? No. Verse 15, does He say perfect? Does he say anything about perfection? Does he say anything about that 
No, he says this, that he has just chosen. Brother and sister, understand something. It's not just how perfect that you are. It's if you're chosen or not. And guess what? You are chosen. Now understand what he begins to do. Look at verse 19, in chapter 9, verse 20 through 22. You see he received the revelation. You see him begin to preach this revelation. But then look what begins to happen. The Jews, beginning in verse 23, they plot to kill him. The religious leaders. You know what they do? Because they cannot be able to contradict what Saul is saying. Why? Because Saul had been trained in every defense that they would use against him. And Saul just flipped the script. He's saying... Can you imagine the priest? I was thinking about this two, three days ago, and I kind of got tickled. Because I can just imagine the priest going, we have reinforcements. Reinforcements are here. And when Saul gets here, guess what? God's done changed the brother, and he stands up, and the reinforcements has turned on him. Now, they're preaching Jesus, and they are overwhelmed. So they said, we got to shut them up. That's what they do. Try to kill them. And the believers had to put Saul in a basket and let him down outside the wall to get him away from the people that tried to kill him. I'm amazed at that. When God is using him, yet there's still opposition. Look at what then begins to happen. He goes to the Jerusalem to Jerusalem for the disciples, and according to Acts 9, verse 26 through 30. And they freaked out. And eventually, because of Barnabas, they said, okay, everything's cool. Everything's cool. So when he gets there to that position, they initially freak out, but then he begins to preach, and all of a sudden, people are getting saved. And the church is edified. And in the midst of the church being edified, guess what happens? The Jewish leaders, they get mad. They try to kill him all over again. Notice the initial success that Saul has. But with it comes that opposition. The process comes not only with the Lord making in us, but sometimes it comes with that opposition. But just know that you are greater because the Lord is working in you. Now look at this. Galatians chapter 1. Look at this. I want to tie all this up with a bow, and I want to give this to you this morning. Now whenever you read Acts 9, really what you're beginning to read there is this. You see all this success. You see salvation, preaching, success, problem. Preaching, success, problem. You think, man, that's happening pretty quickly. Success after success after success after, woo! You're like, man, I can deal with problems if I can see success in the middle of it. I can deal with issues if I'm all the time living in success. But look here in Galatians chapter 1 because this is one of Paul's letters to the Galatian church where he begins to talk a little bit more in depth about the process that he was in. Look at this in verse 15. Then when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace, verse 16, to reveal His Son to me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So he's talking about his... His revelation of Jesus. His salvation. And notice what he says. That he did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He says, I did not go, in verse 17, to Jerusalem to those that were apostles before me. He says, the moment after Damascus and the moment that I got saved and the moments that I got out of Damascus, I did not immediately run to the head of the church and go, tell me what you need. You know what he did? says here in verse 17 that he went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus and began to preach there. I said, realize something. We begin to see something that the process that you saw in Acts 9 where it was success after success after success after success, we begin to find out that there was some time in the middle of that success. That Paul says this, I went into Arabia. And the, and the scholars believe that he was there for probably about three years. What was he doing? You want to know 
Why and how in the world that he's able to take the law and be able to break it down and be able to be able to bring forth rules to govern the church from all the way from Romans all the way into Titus because of one reason. His brother and sister, he spent time with the Lord and in those moments he found out who the Lord was. He found out what was going on in his life. He began to realize what God and God put a basis in his life in those years of Arabia that allowed him to do what? Stand before the congregation and preach and see God do something. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I wrote to you, indeed before God I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Caesarea, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea that were in Christ, but they were hearing only. He was formerly persecuted us, now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Brother and sister, understand something. The Word of God tells us that whenever he was in Jerusalem, they sent him to Tarsus. Why? Because people were trying to kill him. But when he was in Tarsus, guess what? He's still preaching. He's still developing the message that God is about to call him back to Antioch with and about to see his ministry literally explode. Now, brother and sister, my question, could God be able to use Paul that way if he hadn't gone through the process to get to that point? Realize this, brother and sister, the process that God wants to put you through is individual. Peter had to go through his separate individual process. Saul had to go through his individual process. But all of them entail one great thing. I will follow the Lord and I will be what He wants me to be. You have been chosen this morning as a vessel for God to be able to use. And this vessel may look different from everybody else, but understand this, you are still chosen. Let me read this passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. In verse 21, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. Brother and sister, what he is just wanting from you, and that is this, will you just follow me and allow me to work in your life? Brother and sister, whenever you go home and you look in your cupboard, I guarantee you this, on every day you don't pull out and say, man, I want something to drink. Let me get this nice brand new glass this nice little glass 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 yeah it's made of glass you know what you probably will grab if you're like me i'll reach over there and i'll grab uh the avengers kind of plastic cup why because ain't nobody around to impress it's me but does this cup any less useful than this cup? No. No. Whenever I go and I'm hungry, nobody else is around, and I'm saying, man, I want some. I just need something. I want to warm some up in the microwave. I want to take some leftovers out. Everybody else is at work. Everybody's this, that, whatever's going on. I want some. Guess what I do? I don't break out the fine china. I grab the veggie tail plate. Why? Is it any less useful than this? To be honest, I'll use this a lot more than this. But for some odd reason, the only thing that we ever look at as the body of Christ sometimes is all the fancy gifts. Come on. Now, all the fancy gifts. We want all the fancy stuff. 
We want the fancy pulpit. We want this. We want that. But brother and sister, I'm here to tell you something. Whenever the kids come in, they're ready to eat, they grab the bowl with the little straw on it that you can suck the, the milk from the bottom of the thing. Whenever there's nice people around, you're like going, yes, I'll take a cup of coffee. Nobody else is around you by yourself. I want some coffee. I'm going to grab the Darth Vader mug. I'm going to drink that. Why? See, the problem is this. In so many lives, we come to a position that we look at the vessel and we say this, this, this. Well, this is better than this. This is better than this. To be honest, this is more useful than anything else over there. Those little plates, more useful, the plastic stuff. That's what I live off of. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at, brother and sister. Understand something. Stop looking at the type and the label of your label and just know this. You are useful to the kingdom of God and God has chosen you. So what if God has chosen you by giving you gifts that you work with your hands? God can still use you in a powerful way. Just because God hasn't given you a gift of standing behind a pulpit to be able to preach, just because that, well, I don't know if I really like that. I've just, I won't, if I had a gift like that, then guess what? I would just, I'd like, no, God says, no, 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 no. Don't look at just, if I had that gift, I would do. Come on. Yeah. Realize who you are and know that yes. you are chosen. Yes. And wherever you are of usefulness in the kingdom of God, God wants to still fill you up so that He can pour you out. That you can be useful for the kingdom of God. Why in the world do you get so caught up in what I'm lacking? Well, I'm not glass. I'm not sophisticated. Guess what? God called you just the way you are. And He says this, you are chosen. You are chosen. Let me fill you. Let me make you into the best version of what you can be. Bless God. I'm going to...